0: How do parents like us know that we aren't messing up the biggest role of our lives, especially when we happen to have a strong-willed child that's constantly pushing our buttons? We've all heard that kids don't come with a manual. So how can we know for sure that we're saying the right things or that we're getting this parenting thing right? Well, on this podcast for parents of toddlers to teens, we'll be giving you real tools you can use right away so that your kids will feel like they can talk to you about absolutely anything and everything. My name's Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Well, hi, guys. How are you this week? I have kind of a heavy subject matter today. I have had a doozy of a week, and I wanted to kind of start it off by reading, I send out a parenting report, a private parenting report, um, which is sort of like my newsletter to my email list, my private email list each week. And just as a way to connect and share resources. And for anyone that would like to join that, you are more than welcome. You can email me at randy at randyrubenstein.com and I will get you signed up. But anyway, so I sent out this newsletter this week and I just sort of want to read it to you guys and and get this episode kicked off that way. So, here's how it goes. This week's been a real doozy. We attended a funeral for one of my husband's childhood friends, a vibrant life cut tragically short after a devastating bike accident. My mom fell and broke her hip. She's recovering from surgery, thank God. Uh, I was walking in my neighborhood and steps away from me, a mom pushing a baby in a stroller tripped while crossing the street. And the infant carrier toppled over and the baby ended up face down in the middle of the busy street. Baby had a small scrape on his head and dirt all over his face, but otherwise he seemed okay. Thank God again. All three happened last Sunday. I felt shaken to say the least. Here's the thing. Sometimes life sucks. Bad things like accidents happen. Arguing with the reason why they happened is really arguing with reality. And it's a prolongment of the pain. When we look for why the accident happened in the first place, we're really looking for who or what to blame, and this only adds to our pain. Accepting your new reality, maybe even learning something, well, this is the real work. I know that's easier said than done, especially when it's you or a loved one that's suffering from the pain caused by the accident or mistake. My learning this week has to do with accepting other people without judgment. Judgment is really blame in disguise. I was really scared by all three scenarios above. Embarrassingly, my brain went to a judgy place to avoid feeling scared about the fact that life is so short and everything can end in an instant. Why was he riding his bike along the highway? These are things I said to myself in my head. Why was my mom bending over, fiddling with her glitzy yard art when her health is so fragile? Why was that mom pushing her baby in a stroller dressed to the nines in spiky-heeled Louboutins? See, none of these thoughts helped me to feel any better. They actually made me feel worse. Because the thing is, is that accidents happen. Humans make mistakes. It's part of our experience. When we use our energy on learning from mistakes rather than channeling it towards who or what to blame, that's how we become stronger. This is what builds resilience. Unfortunately, the traditional culture seems to focus way more on the blame than on the teaching, and resilience building. Negative circumstances are always opportunity to recover, learn, and grow. This is evolution. That was my parenting report from this week, and I just sort of wanted to unpack it in this conversation and talk about like what was behind my words and, and what I'm left thinking about and what I'm left to learn here Um, because I always am kind of getting curious and learning like what's coming up for me, especially when I go to a place of blame or judgment. Not that I wanted to admit that I was like, you know, after I helped the mom and the baby, I mean, that was, it's like all those things happened on Sunday. We attended a funeral. Then hours later, I got a call that my mom had broken her hip. And then I'm walking the dogs in the neighborhood waiting till she gets transferred from the emergency center to the hospital. I was trying to, kill time and boom, like right in front of me, this whole thing happens. And my brain goes to like, what is she wearing? Why is she walking that baby stroller? She couldn't even click the thing in. Like I went to this place of judgment and, um, and I think it's because for so many of us, like that is sort of our default programming because we do live in a blame culture, right? Like divorce happens people make bad decisions. Um, When we focus on things that are innocent mistakes, like, you know, or accidents, like what happened, the lady tripping in front of me, it's not like she had any intention whatsoever of that happening, obviously. And my mom was just, in her backyard and she wasn't thinking about the fact that she gets dizzy quite often and bending over and fiddling with the art art as a 70 year old woman probably wasn't the best call and and the friend who lived life to the fullest and he was biking and he loved it and he loved all these extreme sports like he was a very seasoned bike rider I'm sure he wasn't thinking I'm gonna be biking along the highway and some drunk kid is going to hit me, right? Like like that kind of stuff happens and when we we focus on we put our energy into focusing why it happened, it takes us away from figuring out how to accept that it happened, maybe learn something in the process and dig deeper. The why actually just it's almost like it's a band-aid because when we can blame someone else for why this happens, it's almost like, you know, like for me, I was feeling scared. So it's like, if I go to the why, it's like, oh, well, those, it's not going to happen to me because I have better judgment than that. And so I think it's really interesting to get curious. I mean, that's part of this whole movement is we can be the parents that we want to be, but we have to unpack what's coming up for us when we find ourselves going to these things. Where does it come from? I think kind of helps me like knowing that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Like this is part of our culture. This is part of our society. So if I want to live in a different society, well, it's helpful, I think, to understand where the roots are. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. And then I can replace that thinking pattern with new, more thoughtful ways of thinking that feel better for me. And that's how I retrain my brain. That's how I master my mind. So it's super hard to do this, I get, because blame and judgment, like since it is such kind of a natural default in our culture when something bad happens, like an accident or the stuff I mentioned, or when someone screws up and makes a bad decision when someone screws up and makes a bad decision, like we really aren't that picky. We just wanna know what the details are. And we and we automatically go to that blame and judgment place to make sense of it. And I think that it's interesting to to notice when you're doing that and to dig a little deeper as to why you're doing it. Like we know where the roots come from. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It's just, why am I doing that? What's coming up for me? What What am I scared of right now? And asking yourself, like, is it ever really helpful, right? Like, it, like do our kids ever learn a better way when we go to that place of blaming and judging? When we just focus on being the judge and jury and... We're constantly doing that blame thing, constantly jumping straight to getting them to own whatever their behavior was that led to the bad decision. In those moments, like we want to jump to that so quickly because we want to jump to the teaching. But are we ever teaching them something in those moments? Like really ask yourself that. And ask yourself, like have you ever felt encouraged when you felt like someone was blaming or judging you? Like let's say that you wrecked your car and you have to come home and you tell your spouse, right? And your spouse says, and it was because like you were preoccupied and you made a mistake and let's hope you weren't texting, but you, uh, you know, whatever, whatever was the reason. It's like your intention wasn't to wreck your car, but you did. And so if you come back and you've made a mistake and you, And you feel like the people in your life who you would hope would be your support people have to talk about all the ways that you screwed up or how you really are to blame. Um, Is it ever helpful? Do you ever learn something new? Or does it just make you feel more isolated and alone? This is something that I've recently learned. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to understand. It's hard to accept. It's hard to own. And it's very interesting, and I think it's true. Judgment is really some form of a self-projection. What you judge others for is really a judgment on your on yourself. So let me explain. So just in the last two weeks, there's been this whole big thing that's gone down at my kids' school, at their high school. And I'm going to call it group chat gate. Okay? So there was a handful of kids. They were in a group chat as kids... Do there were bad comments made, there were bad decisions made, there were people's faces compared to animals, there were other extremely horrific things said. And somebody in the group chat saved they they I guess they screenshotted everything, and um, and so it's months and months and months later, and who knows what the intention was with this child, like maybe. It was a close group of friends and all of a sudden she felt ostracized and she wanted revenge. I don't know the reason, but she leaked all of these nasty texts out and it got back to the people that those group texts were about. And um, and so why why were the things said in the first place? I don't know, because teenagers are stupid. <laughs> I mean, really, it's like... There's scientific evidence as to why, like the, the, that, the, why they're so impulsive as teenagers, why they make bad decisions. Like it's, it, there is a part, it's a part of human development where we literally are not our most brilliant selves and the brain supposedly doesn't even finish growing till you're like 25. So these group chats, what do they involve? They involve peer pressure They involve connecting over BS and um and kids doing anything to fit in. Like this particular group chat is interesting. They're not the kids in my in my daughter's grade, but she knows all the kids. And um we're talking like bright kids from good families. And they, you know, they made they 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 made a bad decision. They said stupid things. Funny thing is, is as group chat gate went down, uh, what I've heard is that all the kids, because evidently this is a thing, like they have a group chat. They're like in 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And so a lot of times they've had these group chats that have been going since sixth grade. Oh, all these kids went and deleted their group chats because they all knew that they had said things that they would be mortified if other people had found out. Right. So a lot of y'all know that I love Brene Brown, who's a thought leader and an author and a sociologist, and and so she studies patterns in people, and I'm always fascinated by patterns. And and something Brene said that I that has stuck with me, she says the number one way that people bond and connect is typically through com something she calls common enemy intimacy. And basically what that means is just talking smack about someone else. So you had these kids, and they um, and they were smart, and maybe a little nerdy, and they wanted to fit in, and they were doing that whole intellectual superiority, stupid thing, and they were making fun of other people in any way they could, and they were talking smack, and I'm sure, and you know, and these are kids from good families, and. And so they were talking smack and they got busted and feelings got hurt and, and it's been a whole big, you know, drama, right? When it went down, my feeling was, you know, I was kind of feeling bad. I was feeling bad for everyone involved, obviously. And I was thinking, I wonder how the school's going to handle this because I always look at the, I know that we live in a culture that's like out for justice and we want to do blame and we want to judge everyone else and we forget that we've made mistakes too and when somebody else is when there's an evidence that somebody else has made really crappy decisions all of a sudden we're like yeah they're horrible people and we forget that sometimes we're the horrible people and so i was thinking i really i love the head of school of my kid's school i think he's a incredibly smart he's a smart confident Head of school who is not scared to make tough calls and sometimes he uses, sometimes, you know, he makes those tough calls and it's an example made for the other kids. But in my mind, I was thinking these kids made mistakes and I sure hope that the consequences are not too severe, meaning I didn't think that they should be ex- expelled from school for this, for this major mistake for these hurtful words. I was really hoping that it was going to be used as an opportunity to learn something from this mistake for all the kids to learn that when you use words and you put your words in writing, there is risk and repercussions that come from it. Nasty words hurt, right? Like words have power. So I was thinking, God, this is such an opportunity and I hope that that happens. And so Everybody was talking about it at school and my daughter Avery came home and we were talking about it at dinner and she said, oh my gosh, it is just, you know, like a mess. And she said, she was talking to one of her teachers and she said, you know, I feel bad actually for everyone. Like I feel bad for the people that were in the group chat that sent the text too. And, um, and the teacher said, well, you, me, and like five other people like everybody is you know, out for blood. And I thought it was interesting. We were talking how it was kind of like Hester Prynne from the Scarlet Letter. And I ended up at the Sunday funeral running into one of the moms, this amazing, lovely, smart woman whose um, son was involved in it. And so here we are at this funeral of one of her lifelong friends and one of my husband's lifelong friends. And she's plagued with this whole group chat gate that her son was involved in. And we were talking about it. And, um, and you know, interestingly, my daughter said that her son is awesome. So it was just like a case of like good people make bad decisions, like awesome people F up. And, um, and so she and I were, we're talking about that. And I was just thinking, and, and the school hadn't come out yet with um, with the consequences. So, you know, I was just kind of sharing with her that I had my fingers crossed that they really used it as an opportunity for all the kids to learn something and put the kids hopefully into a room together and Um, I understand, you know, where, where apologies were made, eye contact involved. And, you know, I said to her, you know, you're, I mean, he's going to make apologies and he's going to have to accept that some people are not going to forgive him. Uh, And you can't control when you make a mistake, you can't control how someone else feels about you in the future. Like that's their right if they choose not to forgive him, but he can own it and he can, she was in full agreement. And so there was a lot of people that, it turns out that the kids, um, they received a lengthy set of consequences that I thought were, um, I thought they were fair, I thought they were severe, I thought they were fair also, I thought that, um, I was glad that they weren't expelled. And, um, And you know, there were some people I think that weren't satisfied by those consequences and I understand, you know, people are hurting. Mean texts about your kid are hurtful, and um, and when you have someone that says things about someone to bond with someone else, you know, it's it, it, when it's about your kid, it's like hard to find forgiveness for that, right? But the thing is, is that like, like, haven't you ever said something? to somebody else that afterwards you're like, you kind of feel dirty about and you're like, I don't even know that I really even meant that. Like, why did I go there? Like, haven't you ever partaken in common enemy intimacy? And so all these people that are judging this, you know, all the Hester Prince involved in group chat gate, like, I wonder if it's really just a judge, you know, a secret judgment about yourselves. Like we've all been there. I really don't actually, I know one person who's never been there. Her name's Simon Berry. Um, and she is truly like, I, 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 she's one of the only people that I've ever met that just her brain doesn't ever go to that negative headspace about other people. Um, and, and not that she, she never says anything bad. It's that she, she doesn't ever bond with other people in that way. She never goes to that common enemy intimacy place. And it's always amazed me. But I know I catch myself doing it. And I've worked really hard on that over the past, you know, however many years. And I think it's a rude awakening when... When you look within and you say, I'm judging all these other people, but when have I been guilty of doing this same behavior? And I think that when I do that, that's what helps me to say, you know what? Sometimes awesome people F up and make bad decisions. I know I have. And that helps me to have compassion for the wrongdoer, you know, to see them as human, And even though like in group chat gate, like I don't condone the behavior, I definitely don't. And I won't define someone based on a mistake. So I often have parents ask me like, how to teach, how do we teach our kids these important values, like how do we teach them to be nice to their siblings, to speak respectfully to me, to listen and cooperate and not ignore me and be responsible for their stuff and their schoolwork and help around the house. Like how, how do I teach them this stuff? And it's really just code for, can you tell me the magic words to say that'll ensure that my kid's going to turn out to be a good person? Like, I just want to know at the end of our time together, at the end of these 18 years of them living in this house, when they go and they're supposedly grown and flown, but don't worry, they're really not because I have one in college and <clears throat> I still consider him not fully grown and flown. Um, how do we know it's all going to turn out okay? Like, I don't want to raise, you know, a shithead. And, and my answer is, like, this is it. Model the behavior you seek. Model the behavior you seek talk less about what they should do and do of more do more of that thing yourself like understanding about common enemy intimacy and saying to yourself like i've done it and i don't want to anymore if i look back it made me feel like i needed a bath afterwards like i want to bond with people like my friend Simon barry does like i want to bond with people through common in- interests and 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 and, and doing, you know, having common interests, not at the expense of someone else, right? So, so how do you do this? You speak respectfully to your children. You want respect from them? You speak respectfully to them and to other people. You offer your help to other people and to them with no agenda, you know, behave kindly, work hard in life, spend time doing things that feel like they have purpose to you inside and outside of your home. That's what you do. That's what you model. Bond with people over things in common that don't have to do with trashing other people, things that don't, you know, things that feel good. And moms, stop modeling exclusive behavior and gossiping on the phone to fill the quiet moments in your day. If you don't want your kids to be a mean girl, if you don't want your daughters to be mean girls, if you want your kids to truly be kind, good friends, good people, model that in all the simple moments yourself. Replace that time, the gossiping time, with something that feels more nourishing, right? Like Rather than depleting you, like listening to a podcast like this which maybe you're already doing, writing, painting, cooking, getting active outside with a friend, doing anything that feeds your brain, that feeds your soul, you know, really look at what do you spend time, what do you spend time doing where you lose track of time? That's a hint that you're doing something nourishing versus something depleting. Because here's the thing, people make mistakes. I make mistakes every day. And what I'm learning is to own my mistakes, to apologize when necessary, to face the consequences, natural and imposed, just like the kids in group chat gate are having to do. So I'm working on retraining my brain, right? I don't want to live in a place of blame and judgment because it's not helpful and it ultimately teaches me nothing. And it feels bad. And when I accidentally have a human moment where I say something judgy, you know what? My kids, they call me out on it. They remind, me, they remind me that it feels gross to them to be around that because kids that are raised with lots of empathy, they don't want to bond over negativity or jokes at someone else's expense, and they will help us to retrain our brains because it doesn't feel good to be around it. They turn out to be better people than we could have ever imagined. This is, this is it, you guys. This is the evolution. This is what the whole purpose of raising kids with productive conversations, this is what it's all about. It's about producing empathetic future leaders. And I believe that this is how we moms shape and change, change things, right? When we, ra- when we raise kids who their natural go-to isn't the common enemy in an intimacy, when They're looking into digging in and doing meaningful work rather than looking outside themselves for constant external validation. When they really understand what it means to provide value and kindness to someone else without an agenda, just because it feels good inside. So that's this mastermind parenting. That's what all of this is about. It's about your willingness to master your own mind. So you choose the programs to raise your kids rather than resorting to your autopilot brain, which are the things from the past that come from that blame and judgment culture. And in my opinion, they're in dire need of a makeover. So looking at this stuff getting serious about being curious about your own brain what's coming up for you when you're sitting in blame and judgment noticing it saying why why am i projecting this what am i scared of what's coming up for me where do i judge myself and and really digging into this this is it this is how we raise good people this is how we model this is how we model how to be a good person and i'm a work in progress I definitely don't get it right all of the time. And you know what? I can say I have my kids to constantly bring me back, bring me back. So I'm glad you guys are here with me today. I know this was a little heavy and it's been kind of a heavy week. uh, And I'm looking forward to next week being a little bit better. And I hope in some way this was helpful. Have a great rest of your day. At Mastermind Parenting, we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. And if this sounds like something you want to learn more about, then I have a gift for you. You can grab a copy of my best-selling book, The Parent Gap. It's my signature recipe for raising confident and kind kids, even if you have a strong-willed one. So go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash book to get your free copy mailed directly to your doorstep.